I'd like to welcome you to the Jed Hughes Podcast. Each episode will feature a unique leader and will delve into the qualities that inspire greatness, galvanize organizations, and teach the next generation of aspiring leaders. Jed ran the process that resulted in the hiring of Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Masai Uzuri. Now, according to Forbes, Jed is the most connected man in sports. Our guest today is a pro football Hall of Famer who attended the University of Southern California and played under 1978 National Championship football team. A first-round selection of the Cincinnati Bengals, NFL Man of the Year in 1991, first-team All-Pro for eight years, NFL 75th anniversary all-time team, and 100th anniversary all-time team. Since leaving football, he started his, his own charity and soon will be named to a new exciting role. Our guest, Hall of Famer Anthony Munoz. Welcome, friends. We have a, a Trojan with us today. We have an individual that played on one of the greatest college football teams ever, Anthony Munoz. Welcome, Anthony. Jed, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. And me being a former Bruin, having to play against you both uh, at UCLA and then against the Steelers, you were definitely a Hall of Famer and an All-American. Talk a little bit about that team you're, that you were on uh, at USC. I mean, it was kind of a, like a world-class operation. Well, I'll tell you what, Jed, you know, I, I always wanted to go to USC. And when they offered me, man, I was there. And just to see the talent that we had there was amazing. I'll never forget my freshman year. We uh, went 11-1. We lost our opening game, but we had the one, three, and five pick in the draft after that season. My sophomore year and then my junior year, we ended up winning it. We had guys like Ronnie Lott, Dennis Smith, Joey Browner. Marcus Allen was our actually our fullback, uh, Charles White. We had Brad Buddy, number one pick for the Chiefs. Van Horn, number one pick for the, the Bears. We had Bruce Matthews was the young guy. He was a freshman my senior year, number one pick, Hall of Famer, 20 years. Then we had Roy Foster, who was the number one pick at left guard. You know, we had Clay Matthews. You know, I mentioned I played with Clay Matthews, and people look at me. No, no, I meant the dad, Clay Matthews, not the young kid that just finished playing. But, you know, Chip Banks and Ricky Ellison, I mean, it was just a who's who. Don Mosbar. And the great thing about that, Jed, is there was a lot of great players on the football field. But And I'm sure you experienced the same thing in your coaching days. Usually your best players most of the times are your best pe people. And that was a great thing about all those guys at USC is that they were just amazing people. And, uh, you know, you learn about yourself and you learn about people being around and competing with guys like that. You grew up in a single parent household I, in our discussions, if I remember that correctly. You're right. Uh, my mom raised five of us by herself. I had uh, two older brothers and I had two younger sisters. So it was actually five of us. Never met my dad. He was in and out of prison, uh, passed away. Uh, so I never had a chance to meet him. But mom, you know, it was interesting. Mom was mom, dad. Uh, she was coach. She was an unbelievable athlete. And I tell people, we knew the number one thing. She was the boss. And, uh, you know, and it was, uh, 
you know, it was it was one of those things where we learned work ethic because Jed, she worked two, three, four jobs at a time to provide for her kids. We never had a car. So all you did, had to do is watch mom walk off at 6, 630 in the morning, come back at, you know, just prior to dinner, fix his dinner and do that over and over. And then responsibility. If we wanted to, to, to really play sports during the school year, we had to get our homework done. If we wanted to play sports during the summer, it wasn't just waking up and going to the park. We had to do our chores at home. We had to wash clothes, wash dishes, wash the house, you know, make sure that it was all clean because she was at work all day. So, uh, yeah, she was amazing. Uh, we never really had a whole lot, but we had a lot of support and a lot of love. In terms of your background, when you look at leadership, people that influenced you between, you mentioned mom, but between USC and then being with the Bengals all those years, were there some specific people that kind of took you under their wing and that you looked up to that helped develop you? Yeah, there was. And there's one in particular, Jed. I met a gentleman when I was seven years old. He had just become the new head of Parks and Recreation in Ontario, California. Uh, and he had gotten the head coaching job at the school that I would be attending. He was a baseball guy. He had just gotten his master's from the University of Southern California. He pitched on the 61 SC championship team. And he, he was at role model that a lot of us that played for him over the years didn't have, you know, because growing up with the fought without a father, like I said, Jim Seaman was that guy. He was a great baseball mind, but you had to do it right. You did it with the character. You did it with integrity. Uh, and, and that was the great thing about Jim. And like I said, I met him when I was seven. I have a 57 year relationship with them. I eventually played three years for him at third base on the varsity baseball team. And, uh, and to this day, we still have a great relationship. Uh, and, uh, and then you, you go on to mom who showed us work ethic, you know, aunts and uncles that really stepped in and showed us what it meant to, to be supportive and encouragement. And then, you know, some teachers in high school that I had uh, that really were amazing, not only taught us in the classroom, but relationally were, uh, you know, our relationships with them were amazing. Every time I'd go back, I'd make sure to stop by their classroom and say hi to them and just tell them how much I appreciated them. But, uh, you know, it's coaches, teachers. Uh, family. I had a lot of people that really stepped in and uh, really poured a lot into my life. But And then, of course, you mentioned USC, guys like John Robinson and Hudson Houck, who I had as an offensive line coach. And then I get to Cincinnati, Paul Brown and Forrest Gregg and Jim McNally, some amazing leaders. And I learned a lot about how to be a professional and really how to hopefully be a leader through Paul Brown and Forrest Gregg. Because, uh, as you know, Forrest Gregg, Played for those great Vince Lombardi teams uh, in the last, the last book that Vince Lombardi wrote. And you think about all the players that he coached. He said Forrest Gregg was the finest player he ever coached. And then Paul Brown, of course, you know, all of us that played the game know what he brought to the game. So I've been blessed with having a lot of different individuals that have poured into my life and really been an example for me. How did you stay motivated all those years to be able to make so many Pro Bowls? Well, you know, it's interesting because you know, a lot of people don't realize that I was hurt a lot in college. Uh, really, a lot of the experts said I wouldn't play in the NFL. When I got a chance, the Bengals gave me a chance. Uh, then I started making individual goals uh, because I knew a lot of people doubted that I could stay healthy. So I wanted to play over 10 years in the NFL. I wanted, Every time I put the uniform on, I wanted to start. And uh, that happened all but one game. Uh, and it was just I wanted to be considered one of the best. And my work ethic that I learned from my mom and coaches growing up uh, after I made that first Pro Bowl, I, I didn't want to be satisfied. I wanted to be even better the next year. And I felt if I did that, 
I would be a much better teammate. The guys could depend on me and can really believe that I was going to be there. And that's what motivated me. And of course, you know, Forrest Gregg took me aside my first Pro Bowl and said, you know, now that you're a Pro Bowler, uh, the guys that practice, your teammates, the guys you play against are going to be measuring themselves against you. So you've got to be on top of your game all the time. So that meant a lot. But it was just a drive I had to be the best and be even better every year. You know, as you know, you get into the league and you're young. And they say, well, you're young, unexperienced. And then you start getting close to your 30s. And they say, well, you're too old now. You're, you're, you know. And I just I took the you know that approach. My rookie year, I worked extremely hard. Year 10, 11, 12. I worked even harder because I wanted to, to play at a high level every year. And I wasn't going to be satisfied with just being on the roster. I wanted to be a starter, and I wanted to be considered one of the best every year. Well, the other thing that you've done is you've given back to the community in, in terms of things you've done. Talk, talk about that aspect of, of your career and your life and what you've continued to do after retirement. Yeah, it's been a, an honor and a privilege to be able to do that. And I think, again, going back to college, I learned a lot. Uh, you know, being heard, I had a chance to speak to inner city kids and the board of trustees and really get involved in other things since I was, you know, school and you know, rehab were basically my two things at USC. Uh, but, you know, I, I got a passion for that when I came to Cincinnati. And, you know, people started asking me to address, you know, crowds and stuff and, and groups. And I thought, OK, well, this is a great way to use this platform that I've been given in a positive way. So I played my whole career, and it wasn't until after my after I retired and my kids were getting ready to graduate from college that I started my foundation. I felt I can use the platform to impact you know young men and women that are very talented, but like myself, maybe didn't have the resources to go on beyond high school academically. Maybe needed just some encouragement, like my coaches did. Maybe you know a pat on the back and say great job. And you know, so that's what's been a passion of mine. You know, the Anthony Munoz Foundation. This is our 21st year, Jed. Uh, we have eight programs, everything from mentoring to overnight character camps to leadership seminars and then scholarships you know, for seniors going to college. And it is truly a passion of mine because I spend the majority of my time when I'm here in Cincinnati working on that. And, uh, you know, to be able to work with young men and women back a long time ago now to see them very successful, uh, you know, citizens in this great community. And to know that we had a little bit to do with that uh, uh, is really uh, rewarding. And so, you know, and not only my foundation, but I try to get involved with as much as I can, you know, time allow allowing me, uh, because I know there's a lot of people out there doing some excellent things to give young people opportunities. You just came back from Las Vegas where you gave uh, gave your, your time to uh, different groups. Talk a little bit about some of those uh, areas that you do outside of Cincinnati. Yeah, I've been fortunate. The last six, seven years, uh, Daryl Green, Aeneas Williams, and myself, three Hall of Famers, have had a chance. We have a program we call Strong Youth, Strong Community. So we've been going all over the country, and we were out in Vegas, Reno, the first couple of days. We do youth summits, and we bring in high school uh, you know, students, and we talk to them. We talk a lot, of, a lot about uh, topics that they might not want to talk about amongst themselves. Daryl shares, I share. Uh, you know, Ania shares, and we have a young lady that played basketball at the University of North Carolina, Imam McFarland, that has joined our team, and she has an amazing story. This is a program that Daryl Green brought to the Hall of Fame, and he asked me to be part of it. And uh, so we go, like I said, we've been going south, north, all over the country, and we had a chance to do not only a summit in Reno, but then we were in Las Vegas for four days. We did, uh, we did a couple youth summits there. We actually had a chance to go by the local police department. 
and do a nice salute to the law enforcement uh, and just uh, show them how much we appreciate the work they're doing. Uh, so I was out in Vegas for a week. We did have a little time at the end of the week Jed, to play a little golf and enjoy some time with one of my USC buddies and his wife. When, when you think about being inducted to the Hall of Fame, what was that moment like when you found out you'd been accepted? Wow. Uh, it was amazing because, first of all, you know, I, we're talking about my upbringing in Southern California. I played my football at USC. Then I played my entire NFL career at the Bengals. But the Super Bowl was in San Diego, back in California, the year I got that uh, they said, hey, Anthony, you are a new member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So it kind of came full circle. And it was, it was really a numbing effect, very humbling. Uh, you know, you're thinking about guys like Gail Sayers and Deacon Jones and Bart Starr. And then, then there's us, you know, the other guys that play in the league. Now it's a matter – you're on the same team as these guys. And I'll never forget when Deacon Jones was alive, he would say, this is a team that you're on. You'll never get traded. You'll never get waived. You're on this team forever together. So I'm teammates with these guys. But, Jed, it was, um, it was overwhelming, you know, especially – People have a tendency to, to really focus on the body of work, and that's the 13 years in the NFL. But I love sharing the journey, and we've talked a lot about that journey. You know, growing up with my mom, raising five kids, the injuries I had in college, and the, the experts saying that I wouldn't play in the NFL. And I love sharing that because that's I really believe that's what makes you uh, who you are. And then to finally get the word that uh, I was going to be a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, if you wanted to see a big guy weep, I was weeping when I got that word and uh, just very thankful. And my wife, Didi, and I were able to celebrate that together with our kids and family. And I'm, it's just, uh, you know, I've been in 22 years. And every time I drive up to Canton in, in August, I still pinch myself because I know I'm going up there to be with so many other Hall of Famers. And what, what's that feeling like being part of this where you can't get traded, you can't get cut, you're in it for life? Pretty cool. Uh, you know, it's amazing because, you know, first of all, you almost forget what number you wore when you were playing because nobody wants you to sign your autograph with your number. They want HOF and the year you uh, you went into. But it's just, you know, it's one of those things where I, I believe it comes with responsibility. I think with, up, you know, really live, living to the highest standards of who you are because you're a member of this great group. And, you know, that's what the guys are all about. I mean, these guys love the game. They loved it when they were playing, and they still love it now when they're watching it and following it. Uh, it's an amazing fraternity. You figure the you know the number of people that have played and coached and, and contributed to the league, and there's, what, 383 guys in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, that is a small percentage, and to be one of those guys where I know I'll be their teammates forever, that I won't be waived, I won't be cut, uh, it won't be traded. Uh, it's just uh, it's an amazing feeling. At times, it, it's kind of hard to explain, you know, how exciting it is. And but it is a thrill. When you look at the National Football League today and the direction it's going, are, are there things that you you feel good about, and the things you're, you've got concerns? You know what? I I still love the game. I still love watching the game. I still believe, in my humble opinion, it's the greatest team sport uh, on this earth. You know, I think, you know, there's been a lot of changes and you know, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, it's not as physical. They're taking the physicality away. But I understand that. I mean, you got the quarterback that's the most you know, important position on the field, making the most money. You want them playing every week. So, you know, I think you have to protect them to a certain extent, but it's still tackle football. Uh, you know, and there's some things that we were able to do as an offensive lineman that I'm sure <laughs> we uh, we wish that, and it was legally, you know, guys wouldn't get hurt. But, you know, they've, they've kind of, you know, with the cutting and, you know, below the waist, and so I think that's good. 
it lowers the risk of those defensive linemen getting hurt. And we want those guys, you know, in there all the time. And, you know, we don't want to jeopardize, you know, anybody's career. So there's some good things to me. I, I might be a little old school, but, uh, you know, it is a team sport. I think there's, uh, there's been a little more self-promotion and self-marketing, which is good, but uh, it's still a team sport. And I think that's probably the only area that I, you know, I think the celebrations when it became a total offensive celebration, I wasn't a big celebratory guy, but they said, okay, the old off. I said, that's great because you got the old lineman in there celebrating with the running backs and the wide receivers, you know, so it's a whole unit that scores a touchdown. It's not just one or two guys, but the whole unit's got an execute. But I think for the most part, the game is in a, in a great place right now. When you think about all your accomplishments, what are the one or two things that you're the most proud of? I'd have to say, you know, as far as being thankful and appreciative, there's no question. The first thing has to be my faith. You know, I came to faith uh, my sophomore year in college. And to me, for 44 years, that's been the most important thing. You know, my wife, Didi, we just celebrated a couple of weeks ago, 44 years of marriage. And, of course, uh, those two things, thank you. Those two things to me. But then, you know, you look at the, you know, the goals that I had as a, as a, as a football player. And it has to be that... Uh, you know, the 13 years I played with the Bengals and after going through three knee operations and four years at SC, not missing a game in the NFL until week 14 of my 11th year with the dislocated elbow. So the fact that I was really the Bengals made a draft pick, I'm sure a lot of people uh, were scratching their head and not real sure about that uh, I was able to to really solidify and justify the pick they made with the third pick in the 1980 draft in, in choosing me. Well, it's been a pleasure watching you play and even better and, and more impressive is we've gotten to spend time with one another. So really appreciate you taking time to share your journey with us. Yeah, thank you. I, I love doing it. I think, like I mentioned, our people I think need to, to hear our journey. You know, we all have a story. You know, you coached in the NFL, coached in college, but I'm sure it wasn't like Dave Baker, the former president of the NFL, used to say, we just don't fall out of bed and become a, a pro football hall of famer. You don't fall out of bed and become a D coordinator or a defensive coach. There's some hard work. So uh, I appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better over the last couple months. And uh, thanks for having me on. Our pleasure.